Hello and welcome to World Shop, the podcast where we built worlds based off Roll the 20 Sided Die. I'm Jordan. And I'm Cody. How's it going, Cody? Uh, it's going well for me. It's going well. It's pretty good, huh? It's pretty, it's pretty all right. Pretty good, uh, bud. <laughs> I found some amazing YouTube videos that I should have sent you before we started recording. Oh my gosh, are you about to send me some YouTube videos in the middle of us talking? No, no, no. But I found this video of a guy who was like, this little kid keeps riding a bike through my driveway and I need to do something about it, you know? And he like drew out a truck race course for the little That's kid to ride awesome. his bike around, you know? That's and he really like, cool. He kept doing more and more elaborate ones and there's like, he has like security cameras and there's videos of all these different people like pushing strollers through it and stuff. It's really cute, you know? That That's but, really cute. That's like the best way to turn. Ah, oh, it's, like, it's like, I need to do something about this daggone kid. Let's make it more fun. Right. It's <laughs> so, it's so adorable. Like the that, guy's channel is he rides motorcycles. So it like totally makes sense that he'd be like, yeah, a kid on a bicycle is cool. Uh, I thought but, you were going to say put up a half pipe and like, that's awesome. <laughs> But then that led me to finding out, at least in Britain, there is a pocket bike racing league for six-year-olds, oh which is like a 50cc motorcycle that'll go 40 miles an hour. And I mean, there are six-year-olds laying these things down, scraping their knees on the ground, flying around race circuits, and I mean, just eating it. <laughs> 40 mile an hour six-year-old ragdolling across the asphalt 50 cc mini bikes oh my god dude that is that is i would like i would have i would have loved to do that but i would have got so torn up but that's the age where you can do stuff like that and just eat it and still be perfectly fine <laughs> well they're like, in, like racing leathers too you know they're like covered head to toe but it's yeah i can't like... tell you the amount of times that i just ate it on the bike and got up yeah. perfectly fine just like covered in blood just like okay bob let's go again it's like what <laughs> just watching there's something weird about just watching a kid just like <laughs> just like tumbling across the just ground completely get effed up it's but still be oh fine. my gosh they're they are skilled they are skilled kids i my they are son skilled little buggers loved watching it he was like it was the coolest thing in the world to him how's he i'm doing he's doing okay he loves motorcycles so Oh, watching God. motorcycle he's stuff is exciting to him he's turning into you it's it's my dad's fault my my dad showed him his motorcycle and then after that he was obsessed that's really cute though i i appreciate that but um it's so oh uh, yeah mine as i mean i didn't comment on it but um two days ago i had a complete breakdown and cut off all my hair um so oh. I that, saw that's, that you'd cut off your hair. I just assumed you had decided you needed a haircut. Yeah. Well, it wasn't like a mental breakdown, but I just kept looking in the mirror. My hair just kept... I hadn't cut my hair since the beginning of lockdown. So I had like three in, a three-inch fro, just tangled mass. And so I was like, this needs to go. And I just cut it all off um, two days ago. And it's like, I'm I'm free at last. Thank I started God cutting my own hair like a year and a half ago. So when everyone found out they couldn't go and get their hair cut, I was like, doesn't matter to me. I stopped doing that a long time ago. Like, and I mean, my thing is like, I could cut my hair, but I get my hair cut in a specific way every time. And I know that I can't do that same style. And especially since I'm black, I need to have it lined up. I just shaved it off. I'm like, I don't care. It's gone. I don't have to deal with it. It's gone. It's dead. And I threw it I just do a bad job cutting my hair. And I'm like, you know what? It's yeah, not but that there's bad, like this, and I move past it. There's this thing in the black community with hair, so like I can't really do the same thing. So 
Mine just looks like when I do it badly, it looks like I'm wearing a toupee. <laughs> Yours just looks like your general Cody hair. No one's ever going to comment if I got a bad hair. See, I got a bad haircut once. And like every black person I do had to comment on it. It's like, thanks, guys. <laughs> can you stop? Like the first thing my mom said to me when I came home was like, oh, what <laughs> happened to your hair? And I was like, really? <laughs> really? It's like, hi, mom. I love you, too. <laughs> but yeah. So anyways, Cody. What have you been into recently? Okay, so, I mean, we can do our the big thing that I know you're, like, itching to talk to me about. Talk about your first thing. Talk about your thing, and then I'll talk about my thing. Just okay. don't take ten minutes. Well, okay, so uh, <laughs> Horizon Zero Dawn is still happening for me. Yes. Still enjoying the game. I think we've talked about it a few what times you, already. Where, where are you in the story? Um, oh, I've gotten to Meridian. Um, <laughs> I've met Erend. He's the only character I have liked so far. See, when you ask me if I liked characters, he's one of them. I like him because he's self-deprecating in a way that feels so unrealistic. It's like nearing impossible. Oh my gosh. Because he's like the captain. He's like the general of the military, right? He's like an important military leader. And he's so self-loathing and just like, I'm a freaking idiot. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, I would not like to be your subordinate at all. Well, his (laughs) sister was like the former leader in when she died or whatever happened to her, he became like, he just suddenly became the leader. And he's like, oh crap, I'm not cut out for the, and that's what they were trying to go for. But I get your point. (laughs) But he's kind of fun. I enjoy his character. Have you met Silence yet? <laughs> oh no, Jordan! I skip you, a lot of dialogue. Have you met a bald black guy yet? Uh, you wouldn't know silence. Bald black. I don't guy, think so. Then blue wires in his chin. No, okay. Maybe is he like a hunter? Is he like a giant hunter guy? No. Do you have? I cannot. Met? I do not know what all the you haven't met are. silence. Okay, have you been to the grave horde? How about that? The what? The grave horde. I okay. Don't... No. Okay. You haven't seen a Deathbringer yet? Okay. Isn't a Deathbringer the gun? Mm, okay, anyways. Sorry, I Are the Deathbringers the dudes in the masks? No, don't worry. You, you'll get to it in a, in like, okay, so in a couple of missions. Who are the people in the masks? The Eclipse. Who are the Karja? The Karja are the people who live in Meridian who originally... They like so their previous king, the sun god, whatever his name was, um, he pretty much went mad king mode and decided the only way to please the gods was to kill everybody and drain their blood type thing. Right. And so so the- he started the war. So the Karja are now under Sun King Avad, who um killed his Seems father. Seems to be better. And is like trying to remake thing. The Asarim are another tribe of people who are tankers who sided with um, Sun King Avad. And now there's an alliance between the Asarim, which is Aaron's people, and the Karja. The Eclipse. Oh, so uh, Aaron isn't a Karja. No, Aaron isn't a Karja. He's Asarim. That's why they wear like the thicker armor. Oh, and so the Eclipse are like Shadow Karja who. We who previously followed the old Mad King and like believed that the Sun King's new rule is bad. Why are you giving? Okay, me wait. Look? So are the Shadow Car are the Shadow Karja and the Eclipse the same thing? To to a point, yes, they are the same. They are the same group, but the Eclipse are specifically the um, cult who follow 
heel is, but now heel is, is kind of taking over the shadow Karja. Okay, so the shadow Karja is just like any Karja that's not following the main king right yes, now. Yes, yes. And there's different. They're, they're the Karja them. who believes in the shadow, who believes in the former Sun King, and do not want to follow new Sun King's rule. So they are the shadow, and the Eclipse are of the cult who believe that they want to raise evil machines. And that's all okay. And then are the Nora just super judgy hippies? Is basically what yes, I got off of them. Yes, and the Nora are um, another tribe who are just pretty much like you said, super judgy hippies. Yeah, that was. They're just like, look at the beautiful nature. Except for you, you're different. You get out of here. You go live out. You go live outside the wall where the death is. Like, wow, Nora suck. Well, yeah, they they have like very specific religious views, and if you do not follow their specific religious views, you're cast out. Especially of Aloy, who was born without a mother, and so they're like, "Oh, this is an outcast. You handle it," and gave it to the other guy, Ro- yep. um, Rost, and that's yeah. the story of Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, okay, so I think yeah, in that case, I'm all caught up. I understand what's going on in the story now, c- kind of. Can't believe I had to do that. <laughs> Look, I they said so many things. I'm like, I don't know I, what the honestly, difference is. I think any that of you, you are not are. really a story gamer. I think you're more of a gamer who plays, who likes gameplay. It, that that's what I'm sensing. I guess I like story. I hate when the game comes to a crashing halt so I can click through a dialogue tree. I hate that. I am so sick of that. And it is what every game does. And I'm like, there's other ways of doing this, guys. But instead, I would rather watch cutscenes. Like, mean, I would rather have cutscenes. The time when I truly minded it was, like, when there was, like, a high action thing and then it ended and then I had to have a conversation. You'll get to that in a little bit. But um, that's – and then I kind of mind it now that I'm playing through it again because it's like I already know what happens now. I have to click through each thing and I feel bad if I don't listen to a whole per- a person's whole conversation because, like, I'm that kind of gamer where it's like I feel oh, I bad for not so listening much. to what you say to me because, I mean, you're good at, like, um, ignoring people when they talk, but, like, I don't do that. I do. I definitely do sometimes. Um, but yeah, so other than Horizon, is there anything else before I talk about mine? Yeah, so I've been I've been listening to Percy Jackson, the audiobook, and I'm really enjoying it. It's just like a solid, fun adventure, and I like that. Sometimes it's nice to just have like a bunch of people go on an adventure. Well, there is nothing else. And I was kind of talking to you about this like before we started, and it's like I don't think we have too much of it anymore, especially in movies of just solid adventure arcs we have to have like we don't go on adventure and like figure out something and then like you know we we have to have it like be life-threatening type thing or world-threatening every single time like that's why i didn't really like about guardians of the galaxy 2 where it's like oh now the whole universe is in danger when this should have been like a small like intimate action like i was talking to my co-host from side characters about the movie atlantis and i'm like that was truly a very self-contained adventure story yeah right it wasn't it didn't have much relevance beyond itself i think another one for me that's like that is stardust yes um which is a movie that i really enjoy or the mummy well the mummy kind of had end of the world stuff but not entirely like it's just felt like all those because like the mummy comes alive, they're just quaint. gonna gun him down with machine guns. Yeah, it's just it's so much more quaint and it's a little bit easier to watch, I think. And it's like I don't always want giant end of the world or like even you know some of the Spider-Man movies, right? Like um, 
The first one uh, was not so much. The second one, I mean, all of New York could have died in this nuclear thing. But, like, the third yeah. one, not so much either. The third one's trash. Um, oh, no, I meant I meant uh, the new ones. Um, um, All of Paris could have, not Paris, or wherever they were, could have got shot up. Yeah, right. Italy, like, the second in, one was higher stakes, but the first one was pretty low stakes. Yeah, the first was one was like, just, guy wants to steal these weapons and sell them. Right, right. It was there just was get guns off the street. Well, the the, the Marvel, I guess Marvel is like biggest um one that does this is like every movie has to be world threatening, yeah, in some way. Yeah. And I'm I'm kind of like the first the Iron Man movies weren't like that. No, they really weren't. You know, and I think that they lost something when it just became every freaking movie. There's like such a huge giant world ending big bad, and eventually that just kind of gets tiresome, and you kind of lose. I think some of, like, the good personal moments when you have that. That's why I liked Ant-Man 2, because, like, it wasn't that, where it was a giant thing. Like, just one guy wanted to steal the technology, one woman wanted to steal the technology, and they had to protect the technology, and that's all it was. The end. Right. And and I think that there is a... I, th- I definitely think that there's something lost when movies have to become these giant world ending apocalyptic things instead of just like a small contained personal story. Um, it's one of the reasons why I liked uh, John Wick so much when it came out. Cause it yeah. was just such a simple or even uh, Deadpool too. Exactly the same reason, yeah. you know, it's just a very contained self relevant story. And I enjoyed that. Uh, and I mean like, uh, and I, I, I don't know. I've been more or less kind of moving towards like smaller movies like well not smaller movies but like where it's not the whole world is at stake movies yeah just i mean i don't know one of the movies off the top of my head that i can think of that was just really good because it was a small intimate movie was the farewell but that's like a completely different thing it's not like superheroes or action adventure it was just movie about death (laughs) but farewell was good um aquafina was in it fantastic movie I uh, I have not seen it. Um, I've never even heard of that. So, oh, my things kind of ties into what I was saying. Is like I like having a little bit smaller of like a thing, and it's not world ending because I know like especially TV kind of does this a lot too. Like one of the shows that I used to like religiously watch was NCIS, and every single like season finale is like pretty much like oh man. Like, America is at stake if this one team of three people doesn't solve the crime. And then, like, and so that kept happening. But, like, what I've been watching recently isn't like that at all. And I love it. Um, Twin Peaks, every single person I know who has watched it has been telling me for the last five years to watch Twin Peaks. And every time, I even started, like, the first episode, like, a couple of years ago. I was like, and eh, I'll get to it later. Because I only watched like ten minutes of it, and it's then, it's it's a weird one to get into. But then for finding sure, especially out, like, with a modern sensibility, what it is was just so great. Like it, it's this small, it's a small town murder mystery, just an intimate small town murder mystery with the most bonkers characters I have ever seen in a TV show before, and just start to finish of this season was just such weird happenings. And I couldn't get enough of it. And just, I want to really quick just read like the two lines in it that I just thought were so amazing. It like kept me in it. Was um, Audrey was in the bathroom, like smoking a cigarette, talking to Donna, who was like doing her makeup. And she just walks out of the stall and says this. And it's completely just 
brushed aside. No one ever mentions it. I have been doing some research. In real life, there is no algebra. And she just says that. And that's just a thing she says and a thing that happens. And it's just so funny. And just like a lot of the stuff is just, just really quirky characters passed off and just really quirky, really cool interactions. And it's just, I have no clue what's going on with the supernatural side of the plot because that's a thing. Yeah, it's it's uh the supernatural is very low key and kind of in the background. Um, and like I think it's impressive when when you watch Twin Peaks, you realize how many shows it created. Yes, like it defined a genre. Um, which one of which I was really going to suggest to show to you is like the follow up to Twin Peaks to what me a, called The Killing. Cody, um, Cody, come on, man, come on, Cody. What we've we oh, have you already watched it? We've talked about The Killing. Oh, we, have you watched it though? Yes, I watched. I watched all four seasons of The Killing. Oh, okay, I thought, great. It's not I was, on Netflix actually, anymore, when you which said is a it's like another show. And I was like, "Are you talking about The Killing?" Because yeah, it's exactly that small town, and then you get to see the lives of every single character, and yeah. it's pretty much a more serious Twin Peaks. Yeah, it just show that show wouldn't exist without Twin Peaks being there, or even something like Gravity Falls takes so much of its story from something like Twin Peaks. Um, but yeah, it's just it's. It's an amazingly good television show. It's well acted and it's but so strange. It's such a David Lynch weird thing. It's so confusing. Yeah, it's weird. It's super weird. <laughs> like Sometimes it just stays my weird. Backwards. And it's just yeah, like, that's uh, also like it also has like almost like there are parts of it that are like almost horror. Yeah. And, yeah, definitely. And like well, I mean and I heard that it like kind of ups the ante in the second season, but like the first season, there was like like that scene in the Black Lodge where he's talking to the dwarf who's like doing the weird dance and they're talking backwards, and then talking to the um other image of Laura who does the thing like I said, it's like sometimes my arms bend backwards and like they figure like he's like piecing together the clues. Like that was kind of a very creepy, unsettling scene. Yeah. It's, I would, I was going to say unsettling is exactly the word I would use. It's not exactly horror. It's just unsettling and weird. And, um, and, it, and like it, it was, that was the third episode I will tell you. And it seemed yeah. so out of place, but like now watching to the <laughs> end of the season, like it's place makes sense. And I can see where they're going. Cause I watched the first like 15 minutes of the second season where like, he's confronted by this giant who gives him riddles to solve. Yeah. 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 I forgot about that. Yeah, and, like, It's so weird, but I, I love it. And, like, I've heard so many people talk about, and this is the last thing I want to say before we get to the show, but um, so many people talk about, like, how in the second season it kind of falls off it a little bit and kind of, um, it, it, like, not loses the thread, but kind of, like, it becomes less concise. And I think that happens is because the first season is eight episodes. The second season is 22 episodes. Yeah. It's... It's weird because I think there is, and I mean, this is again something that happens with television shows, is I believe it was an issue of showrunners changing and like network involvement in the show. I believe what happened was somewhere in the second season, David Lynch was no longer involved. And then in the third season, he came back. Yeah. The um, third season. Which is a thing that happens the third with these season, types of almost shows. Almost 40 years later. Well, sorry, 30 years later, he comes back. Yeah. But, um,. I, I, and I guess, like, I don't know. I feel like 
at least to a point, Netflix has the right idea with their seasons being 10 episodes, 10 or 12 episodes and done. I think a good, like, no, for a good show to exist, no filler can exist. Yeah, well, you know, I went back and watched Avatar recently, The Last Airbender, and... You can tell it was an episode that was made when it needed to have like 25 episodes a season. Yeah. That were 30 minutes long for a kid to watch. And there was tons of filler episodes. Um, And then Korra is like 10 episodes a season and it's like a serious show. And you can tell like something like Twin Peaks when it got really popular and network would go, well, we want 20, we want 20 episodes of this. People love watching it. And it can be like a sitcom where we just have weird characters doing weird things who cares about the mystery? You know, this is yeah. just hang out with the character time. And I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of scared to get to that point because I like that the mystery so far is very concise and like we are getting bits of the mystery, like good chunks of the mystery in every single episode. I'm scared for when it becomes like now it's spread out where we'll probably get an episode for maybe like NCS. It's mentioned like once and then we'll get like something at the end of the season, but not like it's not going to be. So, and yeah. I haven't seen it. I'm very excited to see where it goes. I heard the supernatural stuff just keeps coming. And I like that because like this, this idea, like I realize what you're saying, like so many things were influenced by this, but like this idea, this style of show has like influenced so many things that I love. And like, like I think that without um, twin peaks, the comic that I love revival couldn't exist. Because it's that same yeah, thing, right. small town with a bunch of weird characters, and then there's the supernatural thing of people being brought back from the dead happening at the same time. When we get that in every episode, but we do see the quirky inner workings of the town. I, I, I yep. really do think a lot of the stuff that I love wouldn't exist without Twin Peaks, and so I'm excited to see it. Um, I'm, I'm ready for it. It's a really, really just good show. And lastly, the last line that I wrote down that I really liked from the show is first... The log lady is an amazing character. Just I don't remember who she she's is. She's just a lady I'm who carries to... around a log and talks to it. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and she's, I totally she's a, so forgot. they go to her cabin and like cuz she told them that her log knows something about the murder. Not that she knows something about the murder. Her log <laughs> knows something about the murder. Yeah. So they go to her cabin and she sits them down. It's like, here, here. It's like, well, it's like, tell us what you know. It's like, no, no, no. We're going to have some tea first. We're going to talk this through first. Here. And she sits and like, she's at, like, they're asking her about herself. And she's like, well, my husband was a logging man. He met the devil. And then she goes on like this short monologue about the devil and evil and stuff. And I'm just sitting there. It's like, this show is brilliant. Because it is. And that's just so funny. But the log lady is like the best, like the best idea for a character ever. Just a lady who talks to her log. (laughs) Man, I really forgot about the log lady. Oh, God, I love her. I I love her so much. But (laughs) anyways, Cody, um, I don't remember what last week was. Hopefully you do. What was last week, Cody? Uh, Was this was the last week the episode that we did with Kelsey? I think it was. I think last week was Road Rovers. Yeah, yeah, it was. Superheroes? Yeah. I think... Yeah, because we had to take a week off. We had to take a week off because I had to... I, I was... Busy. This is like the very first time that I have completely forgotten what the... Yeah. I'm going to look just... Last one was the, the one with Kelsey where we did... I thought that was 101. No! No, you are wrong. Last week was the episode that we made a world from scratch, like talking oh, back and forth. Oh, that's right. That's why we that's don't remember right. it because it wasn't something that we focused on for a week. Well, at least that's why yep, I don't remember. That's true. It. Anyways, 
But anyways, Cody, what are we doing this time, buddy? Uh, this time is a long-form world based on a time period. Okay. And I will talk about mine when we start because, like, it's going to seem like I didn't do that at all. I will say so does mine in that we're just talking about the planet in this one, right? I'm talking about so... the planet, the floor and fauna, and then, like, I'm not giving, like truly the society history that as it's going to be in next episode but i do talk about the people and how they got to their separate spots okay i i don't do i think i'm going to do a lot less of that okay. than you I are rolled a, but oh, i do kind of hint at what the this the time period is going to be so there's like hints to it but it's not explicitly stated like i'm going to tell week. you my t- like time period is you might Give me a yellow card for this one, I think. But anyways, I rolled a fourteen. Mine is also kind of a yellow card, but I think it'll. I think you'll. I think you'll. I think you'll be okay with it. I mean, this helped me kind of narrow down my ideas. That's how I used the prompt this time because I had so many ideas that were all so convoluted and weird. But but I rolled fourteen. What are I, you doing? Um, doing an online. Yeah, I mean, well, what was I was? At, what are you doing? I meant to say, what did you roll? Sorry. What are you eight. doing here? You're going first. What? I rolled an eight. Okay. Well, I guess I go first. You sure do. Okay. So my time period. So it's gonna. I don't. I don't know. So like last time we and I'm gonna explain this at the end. And I even wrote out like a little monologue that I have at the end of explaining what this is. But last time we did this, I did like my time period was the '90s, and I did a very '90s world. This time it's more of not like a very like specific. I can't give you the date of it. But, like, I did, like, a time period, like, idea. So, I did, like, um, pretty much the period of exploration. So, like, when the ships were go sailing across and exploring the world, like, seeing, like, Amer- exploring what would become America, okay. Southern America and stuff. So, like, mine is set in the period of exploration. So, what I'm going to do is, like, set up the world. And, like I said, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more and describe what I was going for at the very end. But here is my first part, which is geography. And this comes from Tracius, the outsider. I have been an outside observer of this world from the very beginning of time. I am not one who allows himself to be called God. I am just one who observes and tells stories of this planet that many call home. I watched this perfectly round orb grow into a planet called Vale. When Veil was formed, it was covered in deep water, perfectly encapsulating its surface. Soon, the water evaporated, forming the atmosphere around Veil, giving birth to the clouds and the rains. The evaporating water revealed great land masses of jagged, broken stone that the creators eventually broke down to become the soil and sand that acts as the foundation for Veil. The creators caused earthquakes to shake the planet, creating the mountain ranges and trenches across the land. The shaking caused fires to burst forth from the land and under the seas, but when the fires settled, it left behind beautiful arrays of gems and stones. These stones would one day be envied by the most powerful and would lead to wars and grief. The craters that formed Vale created life in their own image, each believing that life would spread across the land and take care of their creation. When they were proud of what they did, they left the planet, allowing it to thrive on its own. But I stayed back to watch their verdant and beautiful creation. In their absence, the creators left two ethereal lights to circle Vale and keep it warm. The inconsistent and uneven orbits caused parts of Vale to be heated differently and created seasons. 
the north and south ends of Vale froze into tundras, while the other areas around the center became burnt deserts. Despite the changes, most of the planet remained full of life. The world was broken up into four continents, one to the north, another to the south, and two in the center of the planet, separated by oceans in the east and west. The east continent can be split into north and south, connected by, the, by a range of mountains. The mountains reach so high they scrape the clouds, causing ice to rest on them. Due to the orbiting lights, the peaks of the mountains have become desert-like tundras. The western continent is verdant like the east, but towards the center in the sun belt, it has become a dry desert, almost uninhabitable. Almost. Because of the orbits, the northern and southern ends are frozen. The south completely turned to ice while the north still has life living within the thick snow. During the warm seasons, the snow melts, but the environment around that area is still frigid. The orbiting suns have caused there to be many different seasons among the lands of Vale. Every land sees different patterns of weather. For example, the desert in the Sun Belt sees seasons of great sandstorms and great thunders of the summer. The forest in the south of the western continent sees flooding seasons and heavy rains. The weather changes with the area. In the sky, the twin suns aren't the only orbiting mass. Between the suns are the blue moons Aaron, Ilus, Sum, Shera, Ak, and Leave, varying in different sizes. The orbits of the moons cause the water to rise and fall during a veil year. The creators left the skies of Vale clear at the night so their creations can look up and see the numerous of worlds that they have created. The stars poke through the black backdrop, twinkling white lights over the night sky. In between them, you can see the colorful planets in the far-off distance, surrounded by gaseous clouds that form shapes that sh to strike all into the creations. This is a sign that there is more life than what is on Vale. But the inhabitants of the lands have yet to reach for the stars. As they ignore the worlds above them, they explore and try to define the world they find themselves living on. And that is my first part. We did very different time periods. Yeah, I've told you up top that mine was like extremely different. <laughs> because my mine is like straight up just like pretty much the like, you know, before all the industrial. We're going to have boats in the next um, episode. Lots of sailing. Uh, all right. The monitor hums and fizzles with static. Wait, what time the period did you metallic. do? What hmm? time period did you do? Well, you'll, oh, you're not just going to tell I, me? It's, it's like a riddle. Okay. I'll, t I'll tell you. Don't, don't worry. You'll, you'll figure it out, I think. Well, I the monitor hums and fizzles with static. The smooth metallic and oblong screen fades into a grainy, bright technicolor image with edges distorted with a lens warp. Welcome, future geniuses, to Technocation's first micro wheat reel, the birth of the cradle. The cradle is the ho- mm. The cradle is our home and the first spaceship, and truly a wonder to behold. As the narrator speaks, he enters a bubble car, drives down a short, floating metallic runway, and flies off into the sky flying over the cradle, giving us a bird's-eye view of the majestic vistas of our home. Now, if you are an attentive future genius, you probably know that there are three distinct civilizations in the cradle. But do you know what they were before they were civilizations? As he speaks, the view out of the bubble car uh, cracks, and lava spills forth from the lands, 
And <clears throat> sorry, lava spills forth and the lands boil and move, shifting into something prehistoric, trees swelling into massive monstrous things, then reducing back into tiny little shrubs. Until finally we are left with this is what we call the egg, a massive volcanic plane created by a freak pressure pocket deep in the magma. And oh, and that is how it would have remained had it not been for the celestial comet that cracked the egg. Ha ha ha, if you can forgive a silly image. The egg mostly split in two, but several smaller rifts and breaks were also formed. This was the start of it. The two continents began to drift apart, while the other islands swirled around each other. Now remember, this process took many thousands and thousands of years, but slowly the breaks healed and calmed, and something else began to grow. Now, future geniuses, please insert micro-reel number two. All right, can you guess what my, uh, what my time period is? Based on the voice, like the 20s. Uh, kind of. <laughs> like, you just really is... reminded me of, like, Legend of Coral, like, Varric type stuff. Uh, it's supposed to be retrofuturism, yeah. so the setting is supposed to be, like, Jetsons. Okay. I like that. So he's flying, he's flying in a bubble car. Yeah, you know, I guess that voice like also was part of the Jetsons, metal. too. And also, like, the micro-reel, so, like, they don't have digital stuff. It's still, like, a real projector. I like that. But it's, like, a tiny little one, you know? I I, I love yours, because I, I, I really like retrofuturism a lot. Yeah, I was, like, thinking about it. I'm like, well, for freaking what time period do I want to do it? I'm like, well, like, I kind of want to do something retro, but I don't want to just do steampunk again. I'm like, oh, what about Jetsons? I want to do that, which is not really a time period, so that's why it's kind of a little bit cheaty, but oh my gosh, there is nothing Jetsons in, I this, mean... in this first part. <laughs> so anyways, buckle in for me talking about the development of I life. Mean, I'm going to start yelling at you about yellow cards again, but that's only on like our smaller worlds where I'm like... I feel like this one's a pretty acceptable I think Yeah, card. I think it's fine, but I'm like, on our small, smaller episode-to-episode worlds, I'm going to yell at you, but this one's fine. So um, anyways, here I actually did Flora and Fauna, and I actually did it like three times in a row. Because, I, I mean, the humans are kind of part of the fauna. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, here's um, Forum Fauna Part 1. The creators of Vale took on many forms, so the life they created followed suit. Those who created the ocean formed great leviathans who would conquer the depths. From these leviathans came the offspring of smaller fish who would fill the two great oceans, Zella and Aaron. The... Leviathans take many forms, such as the great serpent Diraj, the kraken Anade, the whale beast Sinala, and the blade crab Zora. Their children shrink from generation to generation to form the much smaller animals, but these great beasts still exist as the rulers of the ocean. After the earthquakes, some of the Leviathans' larger offsprings found themselves trapped in landlocked bodies of water, unable to escape. These creatures became the mythical legends that some of the other beings even worship. The ocean creatures took look to their leviathan ancestors with reverence and followed the beast's every command. The creators of the ocean created more life to decorate the seas. Green weeds and algae are formed for sustenance. Coral not only added color to the sea, but also gave the bottom dwellers home. 
The carnivorous creatures found places to hunt amongst the flora of the ocean while their prey hid in the colors. The erupting fires in the depths created glimmering stones to decorate the cold, dark blue. The creators were happy with what they had made and moved on to different worlds. Not too long after, the Leviathans each found a domain to call their own in the deep blue oceans, but it can be said that they emerge from the depths every once in a while to see how the world above them has changed. You're giving me a look, or are you just reading what Diana said? Uh, yeah, kind of that one. Go ahead. <laughs> like, I, I started looking at it before like you finished your part. I was like, I can't right now. <laughs> Anyways. The other creators grew jealous and wanted to create something even more magnificent than the than the great oceans. They covered their land masses with green life, filling in the lands between with beauty. The trees sprouted and grew to touch the very skies. In between the trees were shrubs and flowers of all sizes and colors. They covered the land, and the other creators believed that their beauty was greater than that of the ocean. But when the gods left, the orbiting lights greatly changed the plants that were created. The trees that were towards the sun belt burned and their ashes created the great gray deserts of the western continent. In the north, the snow froze the trees, stunting their growth. Only small squat plants exist up there. The changing of the tides in warmer areas of Vale evaporated, only feeding the growth of the trees, creating dark green rainforest. In the southern region, the land turned to ice. Nothing there was able to grow. The changing seasons affected the rest of the creator's plants, changing them along with the seasons. Their colors would reflect the weather of the land. The flowers would range from greens in the springs to reds in the fall and whites in the winter. The tree leaves would grow in the warm seasons and fall to the ground in the cold. The gods leaving changed the world as we knew it. But before they left, they were not done creating life to outdo the creations of the ocean. And that is my second part. For the first time ever, I actually did Flora and Fauna. Your sections always sound like mythology. You're like, and then the sun burnt the trees. Those turned to ashes. That became that's the what desert. I, that's like, what I was going with for this world. That's really <laughs> what I was like trying to do is like do like a separate creation story. Like I wanted to create something that was relative to Earth, but I didn't want to just say Earth. And I wanted to create like this new type of creation story. So it was created by many gods who formed the ocean in like, and I mean, the things that I say are literal. So like the trees were literally burnt and are the ashes and sands of the desert are the ashes of the former trees. Yeah. Anyway. I, I I get you. It's it's coming across like I like the tone you're setting. It's just so different from mine, which is a good thing. All right. Uh, Technocations micro reel number two, all the thing, all the growing things. Long before there were all of you future geniuses, life began. It started small. The bubble car dives into the ocean, deep into the water. The deeper it sinks, the more zoomed in the view becomes, until outside the bubble car, single-celled organisms could be seen splitting and multiplying. See here, we see the first, most basic building blocks of life in our waters. No, it might not seem like much to you right now, but just wait. Let's fast forward a few thousand years. Then the scene in front of you flashes and skips forward into something new. Small and stunted plants growing up on the shattered pieces of the egg. And here is the first building blocks of what would become our future. 
Life on land! And look at the birth of the cradle! Now we are still- Now we are still millions of years away from our modern history! But just look and see what possibilities grow here! Now is when things are getting interesting! The egg cracked into different pieces, and the different pieces went different places. The islands went far north up to the coldest reaches of our world. Well, the bulk of the egg stayed right here in the warm center of the cradle. Meanwhile, the slightly smaller half moved south towards cooler waters. Now, let's see how the differences in climate affect plant life. Again... The view outside the bubble car rushes past as the pilot flies far to the north. Let's start with the Apex Islands, the cold fractures of the egg. During the day, the frost melts, but overnight it freezes. The result is st a stunted kind of plant life. These plants are hardy and capable of surviving freezes without wilting and must use all the sunlight possible. However... A large size is impossible due to the lack of light, but there is plentiful water. Now, let's move on to Gia Major. You mean Gaia? It has a very diverse... Gaia Major? Hmm? Gaia hmm? Major? I said Gia. Gaia? I yes, said Gia. Gaia? No, like, just actually not, okay. though. It's fine. Don't worry. It's a made-up word. I can yeah, call can it whatever it I want. I just say it. I just be a jerk. It's fine. Do you, okay, the actual like reason it's Gia is because of Pangea. Oh, okay. Well, I was just gonna make it's not Pangaea. <laughs> okay, Teddy, I'm fine. Wait, is it no? Actually it's Pangaea? not. It's Pangaea. Okay, I'm pretty sure it's Pangaea at least. I'm pretty sure it's Pangaea, but that's that's the idea is that there's Gia Major and Gia Minor. Anyways, Gia Major is next. It has a very diverse climate given its massive size. In the heart, there are deserts where there is no rainfall, but there is plenty of light and. Where there is a great deal of water, lush forests have sprung up. These plants are... Oh, unimaginably tall. I That word was spelled correctly, and I still just like got to it, and I was like, I don't know how to read that word. <laughs> These plants are unimaginably tall and strange in a multitude of colors, like massive leafed rainbows bending and stretching to catch the light of the suns high above. Different hues use different... Oh, different hues synthesize different wavelengths into food for the plants. Finally, there is Gia Minor, the purple continent. Named such because most of the leaves here have, a pur have purple chlorophyll used to catch the sun's light that can reach this lower, this lower part of the planet. Cody, Hang you on. need to like practice your stuff before you come to the show. I am sorry. This one is stumbling. Like, th th that's going to be the mandate. You need to practice before you get on the show. <laughs> just just leave a silence. <laughs> oh, sorry. Gosh. <laughs> I, just, I just love that so much where it's just like just staring at your notes for like a solid 30 seconds. Like, what the hell did I just write? <laughs> I... I literally missed a period and it just like threw off my entire life. On this island, the trees grow shorter and heartier. It rains, the rain is less common and the sunlight was rarer due to overcast skies. But still life found a way to develop here and created something magical. A place for something new. Migratory flora. The soil was loose and the water was rare enough that plants needed to be able to move and shift. 
and this became the first case of herding trees with retractable roots. Now, see the next miraculous occurrence. Please insert Micro Reel 3, All Things That Crawl. I like that is the I like your transition too. between them. I think you did a very, very creative, very like very simple but creative like transition. Insert the next microfilm. Like I, I applaud that. That was it's very it's good. It's just I don't know what else to say other than you just did a very good job. Are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, except frick my sentences and yeah, this one were rough. Like Cody, I'm I'm not kidding. We we need to fix that. You can't just come to the show and just be like uh, 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 uh. Uh, and I just know I'm going to trip over everything I say in the next part because I've been tripping pretty bad, but like I got to make fun of you so I feel better about myself. That's it's, that's, that's a joke. That's a joke, guys. Anyways, um, my next part, Flora and Fauna Part 2. Actually, this is more Fauna than Flora, but anyways. Um, the creators believed that if fish could roam free in the ocean, then there should be creatures who conquer the sky. The creators who formed the atmosphere created Griffith, the Hawk of the Plains, the avian creature who would give shade from the twin suns. From Griffith, the Hawk, the eagles and the falcons were formed. But the creators did not want all the birds to be carnivorous creatures, so they formed many smaller birds of majestic colors and spread them across Vale. In the changing of the environment, scavengers moved to rule the desert, while birds of many colors flocked to the humid rainforest. The predatory birds soared over the dry forest, and the, a few large birds stayed in the north and south tundras. Griffith flies all throughout Vale, seeking to promote dominance of avian kind. Seeing Griffith usually means death, as he will strike down those who are not closely related to his species. The only defense against him is to run far, far away. The creators who formed the lands started by creating the behemoths. Gigantic quadrupedal mammalian creatures that roamed the land. From these behemoths, all mammalian life was designed. Some of the creatures resemble Osa, the great bear of the northern tundra, or Garlin, the wolf of the rocky forest. Others resemble Doran, the rodent of the verdant forest. Finally, there are those who resemble Oji, the great ape of the reigning trees. After the creators left, the mammalian life began to blend together and form creatures that had traits of each of these behemoths. With the changing of the environment came creatures in the desert who shed their fur and hair to survive the heat. But the heat persisted and some crawled on their bellies to lay as far from the twin suns as possible. These lizard behemoths and their smaller offspring lashed out against the other mammals, angry from being trapped in the unrelenting sun. In the humid forest, other creatures wanted to be like the fish in the ocean and became amphibians. They are now those who can experience the best of both worlds, a life in the water and the life on the land. The ones who would inherit the earth believe that Nish the gator frog is the brother of the great wolf Garland, but that is just a legend. Nish is the ruler of the amphibians. The deep rainforest is his domain. The creator... Wow. That sucked. The creators were happy with the animals they created on the land, but it was from Oji the ape that the creators all gathered together to create the ones who they believed would inherit all Vale, the humans. The first beast they created couldn't necessarily be described as human. They were tall and gangly, resembling Oji more than the humans of today. The creators scattered these creatures across Vale and tried again. These beasts would be what other worlds called Sasquatch or Yeti. 
the northern Sasquatch braved the cold, hunting other mammals for food. The creators tried again, creating other creatures that have been that have garnered the names in other worlds like Chubacabra, Devils, Mothman, and the like. Their last creation before the humans were what could only be described as monkeys. But then finally, the gods did it. They created the humans. They gave the humans their intelligence, believing that the humans would protect and grow their creation in their absence. The creators made many different humans of all colors, skills, and intelligence. And then they spread the humans across Vale. With their new perfected creation, they deemed Vale as, a com- as completed and left for good, leaving the planet to the humans. Their hopes were that the humans would tame the leviathans and behemoths and rule the world as kings of all creatures. But that didn't necessarily happen. And that's the end of Florifana Part 2. All right. Micro Reel 3, Things That Crawl. Now, as I am sure you are all know, life was always destined to be more than just plants. True intelligence had yet to form, but the most clever of you future geniuses might already know that the first animals were found in the ocean. And the earliest of those is thought to be the skim-mouthed skipper. I am sure you have all seen the pictures. This was certainly not the first thing that we might call an animal, but it is the oldest one that we have found fossils for. Roughly five feet long and just as wide, with a massive mouth and long sinewy legs. From the look of the fossil, you might think that this thing was some nightmare creature, but nothing could be further from the truth. In reality, its mouth was more like a fine mesh net used to catch small particles of plant life, which was its food. But the presence of such a large number of tasty creatures meant the evolution of meat-eating creatures, the first wading lynx. These creatures may look cute, but... Large, front-facing eyes and sharp claws along with powerful flippers meant they were predators designed to hunt the rapidly diversifying herbiv- herbivorous? Herbivorous? Sure, herbivorous? bro. I don't know. I don't actually know. Herbivorous amphibians. From these amphibians, a schism occurred. Some took to the land while others developed more abilities to swim even deeper. Again, this is where we see climate and food sources guiding the ev- glide- guiding the growth of life. Far north, in the Apex Isles, we see sparse animal life developing. These creatures developed the ability to generate their own body heat, turning food into warmth. They grew thick fur to keep themselves warm and developed the ability to hoard food. Usually, animals' patterns were either white or an earthy muddle colored to be used as helpful camouflage. On land, most animals were predators, feeding on fish that were bountiful in all the waters. There were some herbivorous animals, but they were compact, furry, with thick, nimble feet great for climbing. Sounds adorable. As the pilot... Yeah, they're like little goats. There's basically goats and, like, uh, big, big bears <laughs> that, that eat, Look, that I'm eat fine fish. With that. <laughs> As the pilot talks, he zooms southwards towards Gia Prime. Gia Prime is as diverse as its climate. Here we see far more lizards, as maintaining body heat is not a challenge. Many massive herbivorous animals evolved, as well as tiny lizards and birds in the desert. 
Gia Prime looks like a zoo, bustling with a diversity of life and a varied bustling with a diversity of life as varied as the canopy above their heads. The bubble craft zooms off towards the smaller continent Gia Minor. As it zooms along, the deep green waters bubble with a multitude of animals jumping and splashing. Schools of fish, massive furry whales, nimble sea foxes, all hunting and dancing through the waves. Birds fly overhead, more massive than anything you would see nowadays. All right, future geniuses, now comes the best part. Our original home, Gia Minor, the birthplace of civilization. By the time we are coming to Gia Minor, a healthy ecosystem has already developed. The moving forests are homed to tiny gliding mammals and large hoofed plant eaters, and even some predatory lizards, although those are scavengers mostly. The forests of Gia Minor is one of the the forest of Gia Minor is a more uniformed and close-knit ecosystem than Gia Major. But that is when it happened. Our first ancestor. From the dark of the wood, a sharp piece of wood flies through the air and punches into a hoofed plant-eating mammal. And then swinging from the branches comes a hulking purple creature, covered with hair, with dexterous arms and nimble fingers. That is the end of section three. Wait, so you don't have humans? Uh, no, there are not humans in this. I mean, there's like sentient mammals, but they're not like, they don't look like us. No, I mean, but like total in your world, like period, the end. There, there are no, there are no humans. No. So my idea is that the place where intelligence developed was Gia Minor because, um, it was more competitive. So like surviving there was more difficult because there was not like, so in Gia major, it was either like barren desert and there was like tiny lizards and nothing, or it was the like rainforests where there were actual water. And there it was just like food everywhere. It was not difficult to survive far up North. It was too sparse for life to really grow like crazy. So there was like not as much different things. In Gia Minor, though, it was, like, competitive. Surviving was difficult, and there were predators. So, to me, that would make sense where, like, intelligence and tool use was the first place because it was necessary. So, when some kind of mammal with dexterous fingers came along and started learning to use spears, it was a huge turning point. And that's where your Um, thing ended, right? I'm not missing something? Yes. Okay. Just making sure I didn't miss... Because you're about to talk about your sentient race in the next thing, right? No. Oh. Mm -mm. Okay, I'm confused. No, that that's that's society. That, this is like the point where I would say this draws a line in society. Okay, well, I I talk about like the beginnings of humans and stuff. So, but the the thing there is that the forest is purple because of the differing sunlight. So, yeah, the coloring on the animal that would live there would also be purple. You so they're like big- like really tried to make something different. I like stuck to Earth, but then threw in like behemoths and stuff i had to talk about flora and fauna for four sections i got weird with it the thing is you're the one who came up with this idea i love how every idea you come up with you end up like complaining about and hating it's like bro you did this you did this this my idea was long form was yeah yes long form world was your idea anyways i might have maybe might have been the one who said we should probably do like one that's flora and fauna but like you came up with long form so screw you cody 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, here's Flora and Fauna final, and this is where I'm going to talk about the humans, and then I'll give my explanation of my whole thing afterwards. So, before the changing of the environment due to the... Tw- before the changing of the environment due to the twin suns, there were humans all across the verdant landscape of Vale. There were humans amongst the northern and southern cap, humans all across the western continent, and humans of the northeast continent, mountain region, and southeast continent. But that all changed with the twin suns. Let's start with the southern continent. The temperature vastly dropped when the creators left. The behemoths warned the humans to leave, hoping they would come with them to the warmer environments, but the humans of the south refused because of their stubborn ways. Those rebellious humans froze where they stood, creating ice sculptures eerily staring to those who would eventually explore the southern ice cap. The people who inhabited the northern continent called themselves the tribe of Ellis, and their continent was referred to as Avale. They worshipped the creatures of the north and the behemoth Osa the Bear. That is, until the temperature began to drop to unthinkable lows. The Ellis began to hunt the other mammals using their skins and furs as protection from the cold. Some thought that by killing the other mammals, they would be cursed and destroyed by their gods. Instead, nothing happened, and they believed it was their right to hunt so they could survive. They rejected Osa as their god and hunted her as well, believing that her body would provide them a new home against the cold. Their destiny was to live in the bones of the behemoths of the north. They began to live a nomadic life, chasing after their behemoth prey. Because they cover themselves from head to toe, their skin has become pale white. They hide their skin from the seasons of the sun and are known by the clothes they wear. The sun belt of the western continent is where the temperature is the hottest in Vale. Unlike the eastern continent, where the sun belt is mostly occupied by an uninhabitable mountain range, the western sun belt was originally a great forest. But with the changing of the environment, the forest burned up. The humans in that desert of Amteris believed the burning desert was a curse from their god. They built up monuments and pyramids to appease their gods, but could not find safety from the sun. At night, the moons reflect the lights from the distance and create an ethereal display. The Amestrians, sorry, Amteresians, believed this was a sign from their gods and praised the night lights. In the sun, their skin charred black like the remnants of the trees, but now protects them from the great heats. They praised their gods, hoping to avoid the sun, but the lizards of the deserts lashed out against them, forcing them to defend themselves. The desert Amteresians have built up their cities in the sand, using their army to guard their borders against the desert behemoths, all while praising their god of the night. In the south of the western continent, the forest that the creators originally formed became a humid rainforest. The trees touched the heavens, almost blotting out the sun. The humans that inhabited the forest lived amongst the behemoths and the animals as equals. They believed that they were created by many gods, a god for every beautiful creation. The religion that they formed was not far off from the truth of Vale. They viewed the world around them in reverence and believed in developing a life of harmony with the world. Together with the behemoths, they live as one and protect their forest, which they call Solugia. 
a word that means unity. Despite the shade, their skin is many colors, and they use the petals of the many colorful flowers to paint religious and familial symbols on their skin. They believe that all beings were created equally and work to further this, their society. The humans of the northwestern continent were an interesting bunch. One day, there was a group of them who believed that they were the sole inheritors of Vale. They quickly came to power, creating false heirlooms and jewels to further their claim. Suvale is what they began to call their land. They formed the belief that they were the center of the universe created by a god in order to tame a wild world. They indeed were not the only humans in Vale, but they were the quickest to advance. Those who rose to become the leaders of Suvale guided the others in creating a great society around them. They claimed to have worshipped a god, but took the position of god themselves. The humans of the Northwest prided themselves on knowledge and sought to understand the world as their god had. They built up cities, cutting down the trees of their forests to create great structures. Soon, with their knowledge, they reinforced their castles and created weapons to defend themselves. They forged steel from the ground and created a holy order who would protect their kingdoms. This holy order deemed the behemoths that they found roaming Suvale monsters and hunted them in order to please their kings. The kings may have claimed to be chosen by a god, but not every Suvalian had held this belief. The people became enlightened and sought out knowledge and truth that went beyond their kings and their religions. Scholars, poets, and artists came forth, and Suvale yet again changed. Through this change, there was a religious order in Suvale and a secular order, leading the kingdom to begin to split. The scholars were persecuted, but they still sought out knowledge. Soon, Suvale became a very populated kingdom, but the scholars began to wonder what else existed in their vast planet of Vale. The kings adopted this curiosity and began to seek what they what existed outside of their vast kingdoms. The Suvalians were on the verge of the age of exploration. Ding ding! Um, we will get back to them next time, but first, there was more than just the north, south, and west continents. Griffith, the Hawk of the Plains, made the southeast continent his domain. He terrorized the humans of the southern plains, believing that they were weak insects who did not deserve to inherit the land he called Edia. The humans were on the verge of being wiped out again and again, but constantly they tried to fight back against Griffith's attacks. This made them a strong but violent people. They did not have built-up kingdoms like Suvale because of the attacks. Instead, they created their homes within caves and underground. They chose any shelter that was enough to protect them from Griffith. There, in their hidden-away homes, they forged weapons of rock and metal. Finally, they brought Griffith within an inch of his life, and he accepted them as equals. The humans of Edia became the Crims, the people of blood. They were a violent warrior race who believed that might makes right. The strong, the strong will, sorry, the strong will inherit Vale, and those who are weak will die out. They had no chosen kind or harmonious ruler. Instead, they followed the ones they considered the strongest. They would hold tournaments regularly to see who would guide the people. The leaders of the Crims were ruthless and garnered Griffith's respect. The Crims do not worship Griffith, but celebrate his strength, wanting to be like him. He watches over them, believing that one day him and the Crims will rule the world. I would stay far, far away from Edia if I were you. Exploring that land will never end well. 
The people of the Northeast continent, Truvale, are not unified like the other continents. Instead, there are many groupings of people across all of Truvale. There are some who worship the moons, believing that their souls will go there when they die. There are others who worship the Sasquatch and other small behemoths, believing that this is where all human life comes from. But whatever the case, the main goal of those on Truvale is to survive. They respect each other's lands and trade amongst each other should the opportunity arise. There are land squabbles that are solved by battle, but for the most part, the humans of Truvale coexist. These are the many lands that make up the world of Vale. The ocean of Vale is dark and mysterious. Most people stay far away for fear of the unknown, but soon, the first explorers will venture across the oceans, hoping to find new worlds. From these lands and these people, stories will be formed. Soon, I shall... Soon, I shall tell you about the age of exploration that the people of Suvale started and how this changed the world forever. So, like I was saying before, I wanted to create an alternate Earth, one that resembled Earth but was like a bit more extreme. I wanted to have the difference between the biomes be a bit more harsh, and I wanted like the myths and legends of Bigfoot and like the Loch Ness monster to be actual explainable monsters that existed. Like I wanted these things to exist without the bounds of magic. So like in this world, magic does not exist, only science. Therefore, all of like the mythical beasts, like the behemoths that they worship and all of that, they are actual animals that exist. Okay, that makes sense. I like so, that. Um, and then second, like where I didn't say the race or skin color of the people, just assume that they're like all different like races and color, like different skin colors. Yeah. Um, the creators in this world spread the people across out like the lands regardless of color. So there's almost like a weird diversity amongst lands like Edia, Truvale, and Suvale. Lastly, the southern icy snowcap will just be called the Waste, but that's something I will explore next week. And gotcha. like I said... I like that, though. I, I like how myths and but, legends it feels in the backdrop, you know? I got just a little bit more. And so, like... Oh, I thought you were oh, just, just this tiny last bit of his explanation. So, like, um, like I said, I wanted to go with, like, the age of exploration. And, like... Like the times like men would jump on a bunch of ships and sail across the sea to find the new lands and then, you know, kill a bunch of people and claim those lands as thrown. But I wanted to do it do it a little bit differently. Like from our perspective, like on history and everything, we are discovering new worlds with new histories that never before existed. Like you don't really hear about the histories of America before um all the European sailors came. So the truth of the matter is that all these things in like different worlds out there existed and we are really only seeing history from the eyes of conquerors. So what I wanted to do was kind of set up the entire world as it was before the explorers came. So we know like what was going on beforehand and then these explorers came and then that's where I'm going to start next week with like the society. That's where society history is going to start with like the discovery of those different ideas and different perspectives and then like what happens from there so like i wanted to set up like hey this is what the world was made when whatever made it and now it's like this is the world from the perspectives of the people who believe they founded the world yeah no i mean that makes sense i like that (sighs) this was a lot this like a lot of thought went behind all of this one so 
And I can't. I just talked about plants. A I lot. mean, next week is gonna be like next week's gonna be the fun week because I'm like actually gonna start putting characters, like the yeah. different explorers, like what they did when they got to the separate lands, what happened, because it's not just gonna be the story of America over and over again. Like I'm right. Excited. No, I, I agree because that 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 is how I feel. Yeah. Okay, Cody, let's hear your last part. <laughs> Okay, my last part is very much like a cleanup section. It's yeah. just all the little bits that didn't fit well into That's previous That's what my sections. last little explanation was. I'm like, I just need to, like, hammer this together. Right? There's just, like, little bits that I feel like got lost and I wanted to, to talk about. Um, so, just to kind of go over, there's three continents um, that each kind of birthed their own civilization. Um, or they, they call it, they called it the egg originally. It was struck by a meteor that fractured it. Um, and split it into a group of islands in a frozen area or like a semi-frozen area. And then in the center, there is still one massive landmass called Gia Major. And then Gia Minor is one is the like not quite half, but almost half that busted off and floated down south yeah. a little bit. Um, the way I imagine this, there is not a tilt to the planet. So there are not seasons. Um so there are fluctuations in temperature due to time of day, but the weather is consistent wherever you're at. So even in the coldest part of the planet, it still thaws during the day and freezes at night. Um, so it's kind of like perpetually in a kind of like what we would consider to be fall spring time. You know what I mean? Um, where there's cold, but then in the center, it's just hot all the time. And that's where you have like, kind of a large desert which is the result of it just always being facing towards the sun except yeah at night. it's kind of what i did but only a little bit differently but anyways sorry um the other big difference with my world or this isn't exactly the world it's the solar system around it is there are a lot of suns at the center of the solar system and they are multicolored. and the reason this matters for my setting is it created a uh diversity of plants so most of our plants are green due to like the light that they are absorbing um in this case there was just like a lot of different light to be absorbed because there were different suns that were able to be um used as you know photosynthesizable light yeah. now that only really happens in the center of the planet where it gets the most sunlight on either edges so the Apex Islands and Gia Minor, it depends on which sunlight happens to hit that part of the planet more. Yeah. So that's why Gia Minor has a solid purple forest, is that it is receiving light where purple chlorophyll would be useful, if that makes sense. Um, I ran this by some sciencey friends, and they seem to say that is not wholly insane. Uh, <laughs> I just don't talk to my science friends because I know they just are going to disagree with everything I say on these. So, yeah, I mean, like I, the other thing I really tried to figure out a way to explain was that there was more than like two sexes and that just ended up not being worth my time. <laughs> and I'm just like, nope, uh, I'm not going to try to figure out how just to explain make everybody that well. reproduce through budding. Well, like I was thinking about, I just like wanted to do something different because I wanted it to feel alien. Um, there's no salt water, so all the oceans are fresh water everywhere. Um, and it is a relatively small planet to Earth. There just isn't as much room on it. Um, there is a moon, so there are tides. 
the moon is relatively large to the planet, okay. so weather is bonkers. Man, you really um, wanted is, to do like more of like a scientifically accurate thing. Yeah, like I wanted to explain what the world was and like how it happened. I explained because, that they're well, saying God's created it. That's how my science yeah, worked. No, is God made was, it work. This is I, I decided. Well, be, but again, I was going for uh, retro futurism. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, so you course, have to kind of have, have like a science backing. Right. They're going to be explaining everything in science terms. Right, so all of this is considered, like, prehistoric, basically. Everything that I've talked about up to this point. Um, that somewhat, like, for lack of a better term, purple ape that you was, like, the end of the last <laughs> section. <ape>. Yeah, <laughs> was, like, the original descendant of, like, what eventually becomes, like, intelligent, sentient life. <laughs> you did Road Rovers a few weeks ago. Now you're just doing grape ape. <laughs> well i just like didn't want it to be just like and then just a neanderthal I, walks out i like, know that's i, I kind of took the easy way out by just saying god created humans <laughs> well you know we we gave ourselves like an entire episode to spend on this so i decided to kind of go crazy yeah, with i it mean i think you be did like, a better well, job following the long form idea uh yeah i mean it definitely felt weird not having more society. um and yeah, that's why right, my last part like, is like I'm not basically gonna touch society. It. Um, but yeah, I think the important thing that like I want to use this as is just <laughs> yes, I see the pictures of grape ape. You're I know. I just me. need to make sure that we were talking about the same grape ape. I, I like the idea of like some of these things influencing like the way technology grows and where people settle, like especially the way weather works as being like very. I don't want to say hostile, but extreme and frequent like weather is not a consistency um so you don't have a lot of the days that are the same and there's always a lot of really big crazy storms because it's a small planet with a relatively large moon yeah. um so the water's getting pulled around the planet like crazy um but i think that was all the cleanup stuff and then i just kind of wanted to give you a minute to ask me some questions like is there anything about the way the world looks that you feel like could use more explanation or i what's mean there? i guess like, because these episodes, I will say, are a lot of information. I do commend you at the times for actually listening and following through with my crazy ideas. But, like, a lot of the times I play to the second listen through to actually pick apart your ideas. Because, like, I have, I since I edit, I have to listen to this a second time. And so that's where I, like, oh, truly I go you. back and understand it. So I don't think, like, and so... I'm trying to say that as me not asking questions doesn't mean I wasn't paying attention or don't have questions. It just means that I will be able to more follow up with it when I edit it. So no, that 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 is totally fine. I just wanted to give you an opportunity. Okay, to, I, I just wanted you, you to like know that like I else. wasn't like oh I'm not asking questions because I wasn't paying attention. It's like no 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 because no, I, I, I do like I more or less analyze it more that's why like I all that's like that's my part of my secret other than I have like a really good memory of why I always know exactly what the worlds were is because I listened to them oh yeah like, but I mean I mean like I also have an extremely good podcast. memory like beyond that as you've seen on past episodes but um yeah I I, I like your world I am so I, I think it's it's just my problem because a lot of the times I look for humans to be the mo the um sentient race. And so when they're not that like that world kind of breaks my brain a little bit. 
So like this world of a bunch of grape apes, and I'll stop calling them that because that is good. I feel like that's just like rude to your idea. But like this world with like a non-human, like purple ape-like creature is like in my head it's like very clashing because this is like i'm trying to picture what a um retro futurist society would look like with a bunch of purple monkeys in suits <laughs> i mean you're gonna get to find out next time yeah i'm very interested because i definitely went a very different direction than you did especially like my time period is like the exploration and like, so there will be, like, a very large time skip in between episodes. Like, like it's not going to be so much, like, not starting with what I was saying. But like, societies will be more put together when we go to the exploration times. It's just that the one, right, they yeah. were more advanced. So that's why they explored first. Like, they're not the only humans. They're just the ones who explored first. And, like, writing... I need to stop talking. We just need to end the episode. But, like, writing this idea really did, like put the question in my mind of like what did the world look like before the european influence on like areas like america south america what did africa look like what did it look like what were, what were the histories before european influence i i just talked to a guy that wrote a setting for um it's like a setting book for D and a few other systems that is about um like mesoamerica um just because he's like there's just you know we had the opportunity to write a setting book and they're like what do you want to use as an influence he's like this because no one is writing about it you know because it is just like a civilization that it's just so not in common mind what it was like or you know how it functioned it's like a mystery you know to most people what what was it we we can only tell through like archaeology finds and stuff like that but they're like the european histories for the most part are very well put together like you know who what when where but we don't really know much out sorry it's just my own musings now and i just need to get to the end of the episode sorry no i mean it's a fascinating question for yeah, sure just, just general, general musings of a guy who's writing weird worlds anyways cody this was a fun episode next week well next episode we will be following up with these ideas because i don't think we necessarily really explained long form world so You'll figure it out. Um, and then, yeah. So, Cody, what are your plugs? Uh, check me out on the Wandering Gamer Network on YouTube, on Twitch, or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. And you can check out my second podcast, the Psy Characters Podcast, on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, etc. You can also check me out at something, I guess, 00 at twitch.tv. I just started playing Dragon Age Inquisition with Leah from the Side Characters because I lost a bet so um <laughs> please come and watch that because i don't want to go through all that alone anyways thank you guys so much for listening and we will catch y'all on the flip side good night bye and good luck. <laughs>